0: This episode of the Asians Represent podcast is brought to you by our amazing supporters on Patreon and subscribers on Twitch. Thanks to the support of our community, we've been able to experiment with new ideas, engage in difficult topics, feature more Asian voices on our platform, and grow this show sustainably. Now, moving forward in 2022, uh, we'll be doing periodic drops of new episodes from the streamed podcast series on this feed. Um, If we're able to hit our patron goals, a new Dungeons & Dragons mini-series called Revenge of the Mountain Orchid will also launch here for free. Um, We've already begun a behind-the-scenes series called No Dice No Problem, and you can check that out on our Patreon page. Now, our community is super important to us, and we're working really hard on opening up our thriving Discord server in a a safe manner to new members. Uh, We'll be opening up membership soon, so please stay tuned by following us on Twitter at aznsrepresent. Now it's time for the episode. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the first edition of Pathfinder,
1: um, and I, we've talked about. this I'm a, a lot. fan of the second. Actually, so so there you go. But we, so, we, so our, like I, our I, our knowledge can complete the. Uh,
0: so <laughs> yeah, our knowledge can complete it. But like i I'm. I'm I'm very interested with what I read, and I'm happy that you kind of prompted me to do it. yeah, um, but one of the things that you know you know we were going to talk about for this episode of the podcast is, you know, what to do with the monk in d and d because the monk kind of falls into this really interesting place where it doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite fit. It's in a way, like clearly inspired by. You know asian cultures um specifically like chinese culture but at the same time it doesn't lean into those things uh what it does is it's like oh you know we're like kind of asian but not but there are parts of us that are like very explicitly chinese and that's what we're going to be talking about today and it's the key point so (laughs) Agatha, where are you? What's up?
2: Gosh, I hate that. <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. There's
0: there's the there's the podcast. There's the podcast right there. Um yeah, so, uh it's the key point. Um and I feel like i gonna Agatha's gonna hold back like I can see it right now,
1: Agatha just hold it mean, back laughter. That's, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves with the class. Just the call it G. Yeah, the fact that they call them key points.
0: It's it's um, like it's it's almost like they were like, you know what, we don't want to like be disrespectful to Chinese people, but we're going to totally take this thing, make it mystical combat magic, and we'll change one letter.
1: And I and think it's kind like, like, yeah, of kind the same. A lot of the um monk subclass as well like the the kensei, like that's w- w- why are you giving uh a character class that is clearly uh, influenced by Shaolin monks, a subclass that is like a Japanese master swordsman, Miyamoto, yeah. Miyamoto Musashi. And then like, I don't know, like key, I think that's a great place to start because the fact that they call them key points is actually one of my pet peeves with the class. Uh, yeah, like just call it chi.
0: Uh, you know, it's the same thing with like the world of Avatar because there are like chi blockers in Avatar. But, you know, the, I mean, if we're going to talk about Avatar, it's really interesting comparing it to D&D because I, I didn't even plan on this. But I think it's a really interesting... Uh, point of comparison with how Avatar actually portrayed elements of Chinese spirituality and medicine and understanding of 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 qi, which is really cool. When they, they literally show like the meridian points and stuff like that, I think it's awesome. Um, but I think what we have to do, especially for like Agatha, because you are not like a hardcore D&D player. Um, and I think, you know, your perspective is actually potentially one of the most valuable things in the room right now because Jeremy even are incredibly biased (laughs) towards D and D. And I think having you is, is, you know, really great for the audience because they're going to learn a lot from this conversation. So there are three things that I wrote down from the player's handbook about the D and D monk and key. So the D and D monk is kind of referenced two ways. Um, there's a table that kind of like does a breakdown of all the classes and in it, it says the monk is a master of martial arts, harnessing the power of the body in pursuit of physical and spiritual perfection. It's pretty vague, right? Then, you know, in the actual monk section, it says um, there's a section that says whatever their because they, they kind of go through and provide like three examples of three different kinds of monks um, it says whatever their discipline monks are united in their ability to magically harness the energy that flows in their bodies whether channeled as a striking display of combat prowess or a subtler focus of defensive ability and speed this energy infuses all that a monk does and then it goes and says monks make careful study of a magical energy That most monastic traditions call ki. This energy is an element of of the magic that suffuses the multiverse, specifically, the element that flows through living bodies. Monks harness this power within themselves to create magical effects and exceed their body's physical capabilities. And some of their special attacks can hinder the flow of ki in their opponents. Using this energy, monks channel uncanny speed and strength into their unarmed strikes. As they gain experience, their martial training and their mastery of ki gives them more power over their bodies and the bodies of their foes. So that's for like you, Agatha, Jeremy, Steve, myself, and the audience who are kind of listening. This is what we're going to be basing our conversation on. And there are a couple of key things here to talk about when it comes to the monk.
3: Sorry, you said One, key things. Damn it.
2: I legit, the reason why I reacted so strongly when you said key points is because I thought you were making a pun. But anyway.
0: <laughs> I wasn't. But now I'm now going to be like, and the critical points of conversation, the important points of conversation opens up my thesaurus. Um, now you're in my head, Agatha. Dang it. Um, (laughs) So I I was literally just about to say the key points, the important points, the important things to point. Oh, God damn it. The important things to point out here is that, you know, obviously like D&D and the monk and Ki as a source of magical energy is portrayed as something that is to be utilized for combat. That's how it's framed to new players, right? This is something that you use to exceed your body's natural abilities to do combat, right? Um, it talks about how it's just like, yeah, you channel this, this power, the force, into your unarmed strikes, which is another thing to note. It's, it's the unarmed strike that we're talking about right here, at least based on this text. And when you look at like, Wuxia shows that kind of show these sorts of different sort of like key infused martial arts, people use a variety of weapons. And that's something that you you don't really see, or at least isn't kind of communicated to the readers or to the gamers when it comes to the D&D monk. Now, before we go into, you know, D&D versus like Chinese Chi. I wanted to kind of turn to like you, Jeremy and you, Steve, given that you two play a lot of D and D and ask like kind of how you've played. And if you've played monk characters and how you've kind of taken this.
3: So monks have always been like a sticking point for me in D and D Uh, I always felt tension around them that I couldn't really express in a meaningful way to an audience that would understand kind of the nuance I'm going for or understand where like some of this tension might have its roots in. But I will say that if I focus on this text as we've read it so far, the first part of it is very much you're a fighter, you're a warrior. There is no other difference. Every fighter out there in the game more or less is achieving physical and certainly spiritual perfection because everyone who talks about fighters, they talk about like a fighting spirit or like indom- indomitable will or things like that. Like that's part of the game. That is spirit as far as I'm concerned. So the first couple of sentences do not differentiate monk at all. And then it goes and it differentiates the monk to say, oh, there's like a mystical power within them, sure. But it's, if you look at the whole, it's only accessible by monks, by the Asians. And like that has like always touched me in a way that I'm like, I want to talk about this more, but who can I really talk to this about? So that's my biggest rub, I guess, with monks. As such, I have only ever played one monk in my entire life. And we were playing like a wild multi-universal like campaign. The multiverse is under destruction. We could play any character for any world. I asked the DM, do you meet any world? And they said, yes. So I said, great. I picked North America, 2016. I'm an ex-MMA fighter. My name's Ryan, the Iron Man Hong. Uh, and I run like a gym and I get teleported to D&D. And I'm just really good at punching stuff. And all of your talk about Qi, chi, and all of this like magical stuff. I don't understand it. And I don't care because all of you seem to not be able to like take a punch really so that's where i'm at <laughs> that was great that was fun for me but also it was a it was fun for me basically because of the subversion
1: yeah H- how about you jeremy yeah so i don't mind monks uh, in the sense that i think i'm glad that they exist within the game like when i first first getting into D and i was going through the classes i was like oh monk cool that's the asian one like that's what i thought and then i read through it a little bit um and i liked some things when i first read it and i didn't like some things as time has gone on i find the monk to be an interesting class i i, I like talking about it um but i haven't played as a monk myself because the class as it is in dnd5e has never really hit me the right way uh, like Steve said, the emphasis on using chi or ki for combat is—it's—it's it's not really what qi actually is. And even when D and D has tried to introduce like a healing-focused monk, like the uh, the Order of Mercy, um, I, I linked. Uh, I was so disappointed. Yeah, when I, you... I linked everybody here a video so disappointed. Um, of Jeremy Crawford talking about the Order of Mercy monk, and that initially appealed to me because I was like, wow, a monk focused around healing they could bring in like aspects of Chinese medicine, but actually Jeremy Crawford said the intent with that class was to pull the monk away from its Eastern origins and make it into like a Western traveling monk with like a plague mask on for whatever reason. And, and to me, that's just the cleric. (laughs) Yeah. To me, that's the cleric, but, but here we go again. Like, Monks originally in, in, I think the earliest editions of the game started as like a subclass of clerics and they were called mystics for a while too. And so monks have always like jumped back and forth between how exactly is D&D going to define this, you know, quite frankly, like Asian character class in the middle of a game where a lot of the other character classes are based on Western European uh, concepts. Um, and, and I think every edition has gone through some problems trying to define that, like fourth edition equated key points with like psionic power and stuff like that. And so there's this really back and forth where D&D doesn't really know what to do with the monk. And I think fifth edition, there, there's still that feeling. Um, so I haven't played as a monk personally, but in the games that I have GMed, a lot of my players, players of color, usually Chinese, have have played as monks and they have a lot of fun. And so I like watching them have fun. Uh, I played in a game recently where my friend's no monk like jumped off the balcony of a tavern and punched a grell in the face. And nice. he was describing his actions to the GM, and the GM was like, oh, you're doing some wuxia shit. That's awesome. Like, And so that, I think, is really cool. Um, you know, and, and that's why I'm glad the monk exists, because there is. I, I have friends who have used uh, the class to really exhibit some fun you know, things relevant to their heritage. Um, but I think when you really dive down into it, it, it doesn't quite... Like, like i think it can be improved and that's why we're here one of and, one of the
0: players in, in my weekly game uh is a, a chi draining
1: dampier yeah a chi. The, see see there are interesting things you can monk. do yeah. with the monk <laughs> there like one of my character concepts in my head that i came up with while walking the dog the other the other day was like a warforged monk like how does a warforged uh character work with the idea of ki you know the 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 the, the Key, which or key chi, or which is supposed to flow through everything, um, and and there's lots of interesting potentials there. So yeah, you know, so, what's, so,
0: a, you know what's a really interesting, know you know what's a really interesting story? If you're like, obviously there's a lore behind Warforged and the, why there's there's shins and all of that, but like, what if you're like a Warforged and you're like, am I a living thing? Absolutely. That's that's do do, that's do, what do you I do with? I have do I have chi? But then that in and in it of itself isn't how chi works or key yeah. or I, they do i have key but that isn't how chi works right I, I think the monk is really interesting because like steve you mentioned i think you had a really great tweet that's that we retweeted from asians represent where you were talking about how this is not something you talk about in like the dnd spaces that you occupy because there's nobody here there who can kind of you could have this sort of conversation with this nuanced conversation with and i think it's because like a, because of not fitting in, B, because I don't think the monk fits in with the way the classes are set up, right? You mentioned that, like, yeah, that first thing I said, the master of martial arts, harnessing the power of the body in pursuit of physical and spiritual perfection. So, that could be so many things. Hmm. But D&D does this thing where the words martial arts are meant to mean hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem, right? Because... You know, if you practice HEMA, historical European martial arts, like it's the the combat arts, right? The fighter is like a master of weaponry and tactics. They are a martial artist, right? The barbarian is that like... I always, in my head, if I were to play a barbarian, my barbarian just looks like Sammo Hung. My barbarian <laughs> yeah. looks like Sammo Hung yeah. and fights like Sammo Hung, right? Because, yo, know, Sammo Hung can move. Sammo
1: Hung is awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah, he can move. But like... The barbarian is in a way like they could exceed their physical
1: limits. Like I, I rage. Like how does that work? There's a interesting video on the YouTube channel DM It All uh, that just talks about uh, the monk, and I think it's headlined under like the monk is the, like the worst character class. It's kind of a clickbaity title, but they talk about how when the TSR folks were making the monk, like the guys who made Blackmore, and were inserting the monk into that you know edition of what would eventually become Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, All of the other classes were kind of built from research into Western Europe, history and myths and mythology and stuff like that. But the monk represented like fanboyism, basically, because the monk was influenced specifically by um, Kung Fu, the TV series with David Carradine, Carradine. who was supposed to be a half-Asian dude, but they couldn't find an actual half-Asian dude, so they cast David Carradine in there. Um, and With
3: with a great... Asian accent. They asked him to yes. do an Asian accent, and oh. what is on TV is the best he could do. And they were like, "That's that's you got it. You
1: yeah. tried." And these pulp novels called the Destroyer series, which features a guy who learns martial arts from his esoteric, mystical Asian old man friend. Um, and that's really where like the ideas of the monk came from. So the ideas that the monk is is a good you know martial artist just come from the fact that I think the creators thought that kung fu was cool. They didn't really think of anything beyond unarmed strikes and like you know flurry of blows and like quivering death punches there so the monk the really yeah the monk <laughs> is based on tropes more than a lot of other D class i mean the barbarian is also based on tropes like from conan and stuff but i think the monk is based on i guess more recent tropes like kung fu is a show from the 60s um and destroyer novels, also from I believe the fifties or the sixties. So I think that's why there is a slight disconnect and why the monk has always been undergoing slight revisions as as you know, TSR and then Wizards of the Coast try to grapple with how to wrangle, you know, the benefits of this class and make it exist in, in a world that is mostly Western Europe. And that's the thing, right?
0: It's all about trying to make it exist. So while i am sure that though the folks who are you know working we were working on fifth edition we're like yeah chi is key right we get it it's chinese medicine the works right but we have to fit it within this system right and this is a world where magic is and we could talk about like the weave in the forgotten realms but magic comes from these very specific things so
1: I feel like the weave is kind of like chi. Like I don't know when and the I, weave is kind w- of like when qi. I read about the weave, um, and I read about like chi. It's kind of the same. And I read about like psionic energy. It is kind of the same. But I think grouping chi or ki as this mystical energy that only the Asian class can influence—that's where the problems start, as Steve said. I
3: I would like to put yeah. a pin in that idea for later yeah. on because I feel we're not done with D and D just yet. Yeah. But from what we're reading and my own experiences with how energy because my family never used the word chi, like it just wasn't didn't come up um the way the weave is written feels like a westernization of the concept of it which is like you're gonna see it it's gonna happen but i feel like the deep dive into that is something i want to dive into more later on
0: do we want to touch on the weave later on in the episode then
3: if we have time yeah or it it might just come up naturally
0: Yeah. Or we could just do honestly, we could I think it might be interesting to do a whole episode on different forms of like Chinese magic and talk about or talk about the East Asian spellcaster. Because that in and of itself is a whole episode. That
2: is very interesting. Um so Daniel, I saw what you put in the show notes uh, on your section about how um like the equivalency of Key in D anD D is basically like, uh, Nagel or like inner, what is, inner energy, yeah. inner power, the inner arts, inner arts. Yeah, um, like within the martial arts uh, media, right, where it's it's less about like a specific essence with its own like philosoph- philosophical origins and more just like a like I got my I got my power and because I. I trained in some way, so therefore now I can like just like muster it up, which is very much like those uchiha films and or TV shows. Right.
0: So would you say that key in D and D is a means to which you can enact tropes, and therefore that's why it's there, right? Because it's like, how do I do these really interesting and sort of tropey um, and clearly Asian coded feats of like super superhuman feats how do i do that if i'm not a spellcaster and i don't have spells per day how do we make this different as a designer you're like well we need to give it some sort of currency mystical chi we'll call it ki
2: i guess so is that what you're saying uh, uh like the way that i read the the D text was that oh so this is the the inner earth. and it's basically the same thing it just has a different name um and i don't really see a difference because a lot of times like in wuxia stories like it's not explained either so it, yeah. it does feel but very I, mystical in a way
0: but but in a way though I, I think that you know with the inner arts with like the um the sort of the external martial arts that 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 um the waijia the 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 fast explosive sort of martial arts and then you've got the 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 nejia which is like the inner arts, like the cultivating, the chi and all that. Like, I think when you're reading a Wuxia story or you're consuming that kind of media, it the audience for those, the intended audience for those, are also people who have at least some level of understanding of where chi fits within the broader world.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Right? Because like so and I think this is a great way of kind of talking about where Qi fits in D&D by first talking about where, where Qi fits in D&D and first talking about where Qi fits in Chinese culture, right? So w- when we were kind of looking at Qi, I, I basically took two academic papers that I found and was like, we should try to read these two. And I read one and I was like, this paper is a mind fuck. <laughs> like I read it and after I was done reading it, I was like, what the fuck is chi? <laughs> and how can you take something so complex, so specific, yet so ambiguous, and reduce it down to a currency for cool things? And I don't say that as like, I'm offended. I'm saying that as like, a, what is the design rationale behind that? So, you know, for those who have never heard of Qi before, Qi is just like this fundamental component of ancient Chinese and contemporary Chinese culture. You mean Qi? Uh, Qi, sorry. See, now I'm all mixed up. Qi. Thank you. And, you know, it, it finds itself in, you know, like traditional Chinese medicine. It finds itself in martial arts, philosophy and things like that. And when I was looking at it, it's like, what is qi? And I, in our, in the notes that I wrote, I pointed out two interesting quotes um, from a paper that we, we all read. And uh, so this paper was called uh, A Differentiation in the Meaning of Qi on Several Levels, a title that is clearly a translation from uh, a Chinese title. Um, now, the first quote, is from a a warring states period text. So this is like over 2000 years old, right? By a philosopher named uh, Shun Kuang. And it says, and this is what kind of messed me up because I was trying to think what is qi? And it says, water and fire have qi, but they have no life. Grasses and trees have life, but they have no knowledge. Birds and beasts have knowledge, but they have no sense of righteousness or justice human beings have chi life knowledge and also a sense of righteousness and justice thus human beings are the most valuable thing under heaven so then you start thinking like well if water and fire have chi what is chi what is chi
2: And Oh, sorry.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Okay. I kind of wanted to talk about the various combination of characters uh, that Qi is used in. Um, So, like, for example, um, one of the things that is, like, life essence that is talking, like, one of the um, things that is mentioned in this article is, like, I mean, this paper is that... Um, like when you're first born, like traditional, this is like from before, the the philosophy of like how life comes to be. Like when, when a child is born, then you get um, an essence of like the world born into you. And that gives you life. And it's called Yuan Qi. Um, so that's one of them. Another thing that is kind of like, I think you can maybe define it as i think there's probably a better way of translating it but what i think of is like it's like id um is xie chi, which is like mm-hmm. xie is blood and qi is breath and that's like the kind of like your primal impulses um and like various um appetites and then so like in order to be like a righteous person that's like the philosophy is that you need to like control them and at different stages of your life you need to control different things you know but it's like qi is it, when it's used in different ways like it's it signifies different things um like a lot of characters are so like I feel like qi in a lot of usages is just it just means essence of something Right, like Yuan qi is the essence of the world, like whatever it's that like causes the life, and then, um, and then there's like you know when you think about yin and yang, uh, yin yang, it's like there's yin qi and yang qi, and that is just it's just talking about the flow of it. It's not like talking about like the uh, like yeah, it's it's talking. It always seems to be. From the very little bit that I have read, um, which is just this article and the, uh, the these two articles, it's like it's always like essence. Um, it's not necessarily that it takes a corporeal and or physical form, but it's like and it's so it's not necessarily like energy, but it is like an essence of things. um. Jeremy, I see Because you uh, Yeah,
1: I was just going to say, like, qi can also be used in terms of describing something artistic, like the qi of, like, this piece of, like, music or, like, the, the qi of a performance that you go and watch or something, you know, uh, radiates a certain type of qi. So it's... I mean, I didn't really understand this concept until I lived in Taiwan and, and in Hong Kong, but you just, like, you kind of get it after a while, especially if you end up studying Chinese. Like, it's just... Qi is just... Everything has chi, not just living things. Like it's just a, a an essence, as Agatha said, of uh, of of the world and, and of all the things inside of it. Like I mean, my my computer is radiating a certain type of chi right now, RGB chi. But but that like that, that's how I feel in terms of chi. Everything has chi. Um, yeah, and, 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 I think and that... D and D gets that a little wrong in their interpretation of well, what they call chi, which is the Japanese version of chi.
2: And again, that's why I feel like, to me, it doesn't, like, it just feels like, yeah, like, there was an initial, like, n- not really an attempt to understand the differences and just, like, choosing something that sounds cool, fitting it on a different concept that it doesn't really have anything to do with. Um, but so, like, as someone who doesn't come from, like, a DD and d perspective and trying to understand it, like, and trying to play it, I'm kind of, it doesn't it doesn't actually bother me very much because I'm just like, oh, it's just a misnomer, but it's exactly this other thing. And therefore I am understanding it exactly as like, like nei, li like in the inner yeah. energy, inner power, the inner energy.
1: arts, the inner. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, is not the only game to do this. Like a lot yeah. of people confuse like Chi and ki and whatever. Like I remember the first time I came upon the word key was actually when I was watching like Dragon Ball Z fan subs as a kid, they're talking about his key is over like 25,000. Like when Vegeta says, like, his energy is over 9,000, he's he, he subtitled as key. And that's where I first heard the term. So, this kind of uh, the idea that like Chi is specifically like combat energy and not really like an essence of being, I think is quite prevalent in in all sorts of media. Sorry for interrupting you, Agatha. No, it's
2: fine. I, I
1: think what and one thing I wanted
0: to add is that, you know, Agatha, you talked about the almost like how it is intangible, yet it is also there. And I think that's where a lot of Chinese philosophers also associated with like air and the breath, because there are things that you know are there, but you cannot feel. You can't grab a breath, but you know it's there and, it, and it's associated with life, right? And there was this other philosopher in that article that, that said that she is a condition for life and lifeless things are formed by chi talking about how chi kind of and in the article and we'll we'll put this in the the show notes for for our patrons uh, in the article it kind of talks about how like there are different definitions of chi depending on the context and in one they kind of said you know chi is this production and transformation. It exists in this cycle of production and transformation where things are constantly being made and lifeless things are turning into things with life or associating themselves with things with life. And it's just, it was so interesting because in trying to understand what chi is, and if you really take the time to do it respectfully, it really turns into this question of, why is it in d even in the first place? And should it be in D&D in the first place? Um, and does it fit within the world of D&D? Now, a, a part of me that the way I would do it is that, and this is kind of what I've tried to do with with Candlekeep, and I'm sure we can talk about the challenges of that later, is I like this with with gods too, with the deities of in d and I like the idea that there are if these things are real and they manifest themselves in reality, like obviously the deities do that in D&D all the time, right? They manifest themselves in a reality where the mortals can understand it, right? And, you know, qi manifests itself in the form of, in D&D, a key, I guess, combat mechanics, right? And these superhuman feats where you can like, you know, the qingong and you can like run, jump really far. Like people know from Crouchy Tiger, Hidden Dragon and stuff like that. But what if this is kind of how I always saw it? What if all the different gods that you see across all of these different settings are all just the same thing and people are having their own different interpretations of them? Right? And what if this magic, this thing that flows through everything in the world? Perhaps we could talk about the weave, this thing that this raw energy that everything is a part of yet cannot perceive? What if there are scholars who say, yeah, you know, with, with this kind of study, we can harness it? And they became wizards and they called it magic. And what if there were those who said, because this is something that is of both, and in the Chinese sense, heaven and earth, therefore, this thing is my connection between my character, my cleric or my paladin, my faith. And my deity in heaven. And we'll call this divine magic. And then there are those. Who connect with it on an internal level. And that's the monk. And that's how I've kind of rationalized it in the world of d That's how it fits. All magic. Is ki qi or chi. Qi. Yeah. And these classes. Are different cultural traditions in how it is interpreted and in my mind that is the one way that you can make it fit into the forgotten realms and because that's how people around the world do that that's how people around the world rationalize the world around them right that's why think about it this way that's why everywhere in the world there is some sort of
1: tradition of a dragon so part of the reason that um, I like the Pathfinder 2 version of the monk more is because they made key points into something just called focus, uh, focus spells. And they defined focus spells as a special type of spell attained directly from a branch of study, from a deity or from another specific source. And multiple classes use, this, use these focus spells. Wizards have them. The, the champion, the Pathfinder 2 version of the paladin, has them too. And that's where the monk's key comes from. And to me, I like that more, and that's more analogous with Daniel's interpretation of Ki, which I think is how I also view Ki as fitting into D&D in general, um, as just a different interpretation of the weave or of like, you know, psionic power or what all these concepts that d and is already playing with. It removes kind of like the oh, Asian mysticism element to it and makes it into a more kind of a cultural or personal expression of essence which is which is what chi which is what key is
0: i just thought of the most cursed analogy for key in D and i was like Key's just
1: midi-chlorians oh god
3: <laughs> i mean i, do I mean, get the getting se- so
1: getting into the force is a whole other that's a whole of, other yeah. thing
3: I, I yeah i feel like we, we can't get into, but the idea of like midi-chlorians being a way to quantify the force which was already a mystical unperceivable immeasurable element of our universe that permeates through our lives and how we perceive things and then trying to make it midichlorians which are quantifiable like you have like draw blood and measure your midichlorians measure your your key as it were I feel like it's a part of like westernization that I feel that the D&D monk um, has with this and Daniel I I love this idea of like trying to make the weave and and chi like come together in a very harmonious way. But I I still see elements of like that westernization there where you know you have to reconcile other things with the weave too. Like it, it I love your idea, but the weave has other things like um deities have like one true name that they identify with. So like Mistra for example, Mystra is the goddess of magic. Magic. But in the like in Caratur, in like the the eastern realms, they refer to Mistra as someone else, but Mistra refers to herself as Mistra And, like, that's, like, really weird. It's like, oh, she just allows all these people to just worship her with a different name, even though she doesn't identify with that name. Like, what what does that mean? And then other ideas of, like, ley lines and and forgotten realms, they can be perceived. You can see them. So can you quantify them? And then, like, where does that intersect with this idea that, you know, we're westernizing this idea that is quite, this, this philosophical concept that's quite Hard to grasp, even for scholars. So, and like that's so, the tension I feel.
0: So, I kind of bring this question to you then: Do do those answers need? Do those questions need to be answered in the narrative of D and D, or can they remain unanswered? Can is are we allowed to have mysteries in D and D, or does everything have to have an answer?
3: Fuck yes! Right, just and let, let it what, be. Nebulous. Just let it be.
0: Right? You know, you, know, you know how there's always the uh the, the DM who's like you have a player and they're like, why does this happen? And the GM's like, magic, that's the answer. And then you just just forget about it, magic. Why can't it just be like, forget about it, chi?
2: I do want to point out actually what the more the thing is, I feel like it's kind of interesting to interrogate this because I I am more familiar with the Western perspective of like, like the um, post Enlightenment way of thinking of, of categorizing and of like separating the mystic from the quote unquote physical and or practical. Um, so, like actually, when I was reading like this this article about Chia, that was the first time that I actually was reading on things that were kind of a part of the way that i grew up um but then i never thought about until i was reading i was like oh yeah i guess these are different definitions of it like my mom when we were younger would always be like don't eat too much lychee because your your huo qi, your fire chi, is gonna like get real high and then you're gonna start getting nosebleeds and and have like a lot of zits um which uh, turns out did happen but anyway um I feel like actually this whole like the essence like like being in I, I kind of going back to the philosophy the philosophical and or like physics part of this which is like you know it's like the smallest thing it's the biggest thing it encompasses all it is within all and I was like oh yeah that's very much like you know like in Epicureanism like like the whole that like I don't remember what that text is but like. The, the big book of Epicureanism, not written by Epicure, but, like, by the next guy, um, about atoms. Like, the whole, like, this, this super long p- poem about atoms and, like, atomism. Like, really, like... And it's basically kind of, like, the same to me because it's like, oh, it's in the smallest thing, it's in the biggest thing, it's in the rain, it's in the ocean. Like, it's... So, I... I very much agree with you Daniel in that like yeah I think that is how I would think about it but at the same time like Steve what you said about how like this is like a westernization of of this concept that makes me think of like right now well it's not as popular anymore but it was very popular like within the past 5 years the the xiansha genre um mm. which is you know like the supernatural um really like supernatural like dealing with like gods and like spirits and like all that stuff like aspect of um what was the wuxia genre it's like evolved into its own subgenre and in there um a lot of the stuff that i've read it's like it has that kind of like level up uh like very shonen (laughs) anime vibe where it's like oh i'm gonna cultivate like my inner it's like and it's like different types of tea that you can draw in like to different people they have like an affinity to like different elements and then um and then they can like channel that and like make themselves stronger and i feel like that is also <laughs> like it's very chai like it's started in china and so therefore it's very chinese by like you know default um but the idea is kind of similar to ki. I mean, it's a very different in application, in that ki is very restrictive, like what Daniel, you've said already about how it's limited to, like, basically what I think of as neili, like ne gong, um, where it's like physical and making your body strong. Um, whereas, like, that chi is like really like it's magic right it's like making your body like a a vessel to like the the most magic you can so that you can get good and like get all the respect and or like all the riches it's very that's why it's very shonen because it's like very like uh, like oh this is my aspiration and like if i'm sad in real life i can read this and feel powerful in the book but like so I don't know if I would say that this kind of like quantifying of an an essence or an element, not element, essence. You know what I mean? Is like yeah. a Western thing. Like I think this is just yeah. a gamifying and or like a thing that will make you feel powerful because you can I, like, I, I, count. I would like clarify
3: you have. that, like when I say Westernization, I don't necessarily mean like. Um, it in a, in a way to talk about like the positive or negative aspects of it i think westernization and globalization is maybe a better way to describe it. it's going to be a natural phenomenon that happens and when these concepts do come over to chinese philosophers like the quantified big like atoms for example like once that comes over and the chinese philosophers begin to like incorporate and talk about and like you know build on that that is asian like that is part of their identity they build it it is theirs. And like having whatever source that Westernization was, is kind of not really that important at that point. It's more important about what those individual people feel and how they express themselves, at least in my opinion.
0: So do you think that maybe it's beyond the idea of cultivation? Because like Agatha, basically you're saying is like cultivation is very similar to your monk leveling up and getting more key points, right? Cultivating more Chi or qi to do these more powerful things, right? That makes sense. Uh, and I think what Steve is also kind of saying to, to kind of marry these two ideas is that perhaps it's not the cultivating of, of qi or qi that we're talking about, but it's more of the intent to which this essence is being used for. Right. Because right, in a lot of wuxia and shinsha, we see, you know, <laughs> qi, <laughs> we see...
3: Well, like you, you've already heard that. Like, I think she is like yeah. a, a nebulous thing. So when you was like, Steve, I think you're saying this about it. Then I have to think back, like, is that what I'm thinking about? Am because, I? I, it, because I don't know by default and that's like how I yeah. perceive it. It's like, it's unknowable. <laughs> in, now, like, that's But that's what makes away. it, yeah. that's what makes it so
0: difficult. Uh, you know, I was, um, <laughs> I had a, a really interesting conversation, um, this week, um, one that I was not expecting, and it was it was um, it was a job interview, um, for uh, a video game uh, studio, and uh, one of the things that we talked about during the interview was this idea of marrying mechanics or harmonizing mechanics and narrative, and you know how video games can do this well or do this poorly when we look at interpretations of D&D in, in the video game world, so like I just played, you know, like Solasta, um, which is like it uses the 5E SRD, and then there's like Baldur's Gate and like all, all of these different divinity, original sin, all that. These kind of take one aspect of d and the mechanical aspect of D&D, and replicate them quite well. But what they don't do is take that narrative part and so, when I look at the monk, I look at a class or a style of play or one of the the pillars, I guess, of play in D anD. Uh, although the wizards will say the pillars are like exploration and all that stuff, but I mean more style of play. And you see, like, yeah, this is a very a mechanical way of doing things. But the thing with the monk that makes it very different from the other classes is that. The monk's mechanics don't harmonize well with the narrative part of D&D, and players aren't encouraged to do that well. So while you have this key or this chi, you are told that it is used for combat, and it is used to harm others and fight things, which is only a fragment of what you actually do in D&D. And when you're playing a monk, you're like, well, I just, I'm just an average Joe in the story, Right? And, and that's where I think the monk is really poorly designed. And the way key is communicated to the players is really, is done quite poorly.
1: I mean, would and, you say that it's that different from like the barbarian who has like rage and is also kind exactly, of an average yeah, Joe, but just wanders around and gets angry at times? Exact, exact same thing, right? And, and that's one of the, a, a
0: weakness of a lot of classes in d d So I, I kind of want to, kind of combine our two conversations now this conversation of you know chi in chinese culture because i feel like we could just keep debating chi and i think that's what these articles can we i I think that's what these articles kind of do because i took this one quote here and i stuck it in our notes and it was like a great man regards heaven and earth and the myriad of things as one body it's so if the man feels empathy for a child in peril well they are connected in one body and if everything living is qi, then they have qi. But then, you know, if, and it just goes through these different layers of sentience, life, and existence.
3: But frames it within the idea of suffering,
0: But frame, I think yeah, but, is so interesting. But but Okay, so I'll read it out because <laughs> I thought this was super interesting. And this was the thing that kind of got me thinking even more about qi. So this is from a, a Ming Dynasty philosopher and calligrapher named Wang Yangming. And he wrote, The great man regards heaven and earth and the myriad of things as one body. Therefore, when he sees a child about to fall into a well, he cannot help a feeling of alarm and commiseration. This shows that his humanity, benevolence, forms one body with the child. It may be objected that the child belongs to the same species. Again, when he observes the pitiful cries and frightened appearance of birds and animals about to be slaughtered, He cannot help feeling an inability to bear their suffering. This shows that his humanity, benevolence, forms one with the birds and animals. It may be objected that birds and animals are sentient beings like he is. But when he sees grasses and trees, plants, broken and destroyed, he cannot help a feeling of pity. This shows his humanity, benevolence, forms one body with the grasses and trees. It may be said that grasses and trees are living things like he is, yet even, this is the best part, yet even when he sees tiles and stones shattered and crushed, he cannot help a feeling of regret. This shows that his humanity forms one body with tiles and stones. And linking this back to the, you know, idea that qi is the condition for life. Water and fire have qi, yet lifeless things are formed by chi. And if everything is one body, like you said, Steve, because of this potential shared suffering or framing it around suffering, then everything has chi. And looking at those two philosophers together made me understand at least a little bit more what chi was.
2: I will say that, to be honest, I feel like that quote, I was like, why did you put this in here? Because it's very clearly like the intention of that quote was talking about like what makes a person like what makes like I think it's. I don't know what the translation actually is, but I'm pro. I'm pretty sure it's probably about the character E like, and like what that means, like what makes a person a person. It's more about like the essence of quote unquote man, as opposed to this yeah. like chi thing. And so I was like, "What?" But- that really threw me off <laughs> when I was reading it. But so I,
0: but the way I interpreted it is when I was reading through, this is like humans have chi. And if humans are connected to everything because of this, then does that mean everything has chi?
2: Yes. I mean, that was what the article- of-
0: And everything does have chi. And that's what they were saying, right? And so I just put those there because I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of want to take it back to d d because I know a lot of people are interested in like the D&D side of this. And how do you kind of marry the two, right? So we have, I think this is a good time to uh, bring up our patron questions. So, um, our patrons, we had two questions that I think were were really great, and this is the perfect time to kind of talk about them. Uh, I'll read them both out, and we can kind of address them. Um, so, the first one is: Do you recommend mechanical changes or just recontextualization? The base monk has always felt like it's so specific a thing that the monk subclasses feel lacking in many ways. I agree. Uh, second question is: Is the monk? As a DD class, worth recontextualizing, or would it be better to just make something new? So the, the two questions kind of like tie into one another. So right now it's just like, is it mechanical change, recontextualization of key, I think is what we should say, and new class. Um I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about like candle keep. Um because it was like a it was a really interesting experience for me um and i'm going to say a couple things that i actually have never said on asians represent or publicly about doing candle keep and i have uh (laughs) steve i don't think it's as good as you want it to be but um i have some uh objections to how the book of inner alchemy turned out now i think it turned out great i'm really proud of it um i think it's wonderful i don't understand why people are like oh the gloves of soul catching are op like the monk's got nothing the monk's got nothing also you have to do a lot to build those you gloves. have to do a lot yeah. to build those things and you have to be an objectively bad person to build them um but also the monk has nothing um one of the things that you know kind of happened when we were when i was pitching this was like you know like and i, I put this in the notes it's like this has got to be connected to one of the other monk traditions i want either open hand or my preference was the long death right and i wanted long death and um chris perkins for for very very good reasons was like you can't do that and i was like why and then he was like because we want the largest the the mo- <laughs> we want to make sure that the biggest group of people can play this, and it's the people who just have the core books. Yeah. And so when I was writing all of my changes, my changes, amendments to Monk and writing the Book of Inner Alchemy, I could only write it within the context of the potential player or GM only having the Player's Handbook, the Monster Manual, and the Dungeon Master's Guide, and nothing else. So there are a lot of really cool Monk things in other books, but I was unable to draw on them or even reference them in Inner Alchemy because everything in Candlekeep Mysteries had to be related to the core three books. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know that.
1: I think that's how it is for all. And it's how the, it is for mo- all of them.
0: But I don't yeah. think people think that. They're like, well, why didn't you do this? Yeah, but you can't. Uh, but you can't. <laughs> <You> can. <laughs> and it's for good it. reasons. It's yeah. it's for good reasons. Like, I get it. But that is a, a, a thing to point out when we're uh, talking about, you know, changes made to D D are changes meant to be made in a supplemental book like Von Richten's guide like you know these these additions um, or do changes need to be made at the level of the core
1: books right I mean, and that's it's a, a very tough question they can't even fix the ranger uh, after all so many iterations so many <laughs> so yeah so spicy. I mean they so spicy. they were you know what will happen is that they'll try to change it in a book like von rickens like like there'll probably be a book coming out that will offer in optional rules but those optional rules because they're not part of the core trio of handbook monsters manual dungeon master's guide will always be just on the sidelines like how you experience when writing your adventure daniel and so honestly like i think the monk will probably only be updated in another edition of the game
0: yeah, and, and this is also why you know um, I was actually really nervous. Or,
1: about... Or we'll receive
0: a, a canon
1: update. Canon like update. Yeah. And, so and, so and here's here's the really
0: thing. Good. I thought about that when I was doing Inner Alchemy, and so I did something to make sure that my changes were canon. Um, and i re- I said that Bachmei is from Show Lung, and in saying that. Bach May is from Sholung. Immediately made that a part of the D and D world.
1: Although was that retained in the final text? It is. It was, he's yeah. a
0: show human.
1: Oh, he's a show human. Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. and the Book of Inner Alchemy is a book from Shou. Um. So I said no. I told my editor I was like, remove all Karatur. but we kept Show because mm-hmm. a like Karatur is like Pan Asia. Don't want that. But show is like China, um, so show is is in there. The other thing that I did with Inner Alchemy was I made sure that the adventure was actually not set in another realm, and that if you were to engage in this Asian story, you are going to do it in the Sword Coast, and that's why their hideout is right near Candlekeep, because I wanted that Asian story and this conversation to be had about mysticism, martial arts and medicine to take place in the forgotten realms. For the exact reason, you know, you you mentioned that like, yeah, all these supplemental books are great, but people ignore them. Like this is now canon. Yeah. This is now literally in this library there was an Asian book that talks about chi. Um now the changes that I made, the amendments that I made certainly do not line up with the philosophy of qi that we've talked about and it's all of its complexities yet how simple it is right i said three things i said though commonly thought of by those outside of monastic orders as mystical energy qi has strong ties to the element of air for breath is what connects one's soul to one's essence right so the idea there was to demystify it
1: i love the second thing i I love this when i read it by the way yeah, this is like you. one of my favorite parts of just the uh, the narrative that you wrote.
0: The second thing is that qi is a vital force present in all living things. Medical techniques and training can be used to control the flow of qi. Now, obviously, qi isn't everything, right? But the objective here was to basically say that you could use it for things that aren't combat. And then the third thing was... All living things are made up of two lives, physical and spiritual. And when these aspects are in harmony, great power can be achieved. And that was just me being like, I want some like cool, like sort of like wuxia sort of thing. Um, But, but the thing here was that like, I wanted to provide people with a way of interacting with monk tropes and monk flavor in D&D, but in a non-combat way. And that's where I kind of want us to talk is... How can you take what already exists with the monk if you cannot make these mechanical changes? Like we, we talked about this question. Recontextualization is, it's kind of happened. Inner alchemy is like a very, very small start, right? But for the reasons you said, Jeremy, supplements that recontextualize key are often forgotten, right? Or ignored. So we have kind of two things left. We have making a new class or, well, we don't even talk about mechanical changes. It's a new class or how do you incorporate key into your narrative more? That's where I kind of want to go next because that's where I think we're all strong. Even if Agatha is not a and d 5e player, how can you take what we know about D&D key and weave it into your stories outside of combat? And I would love to hear something from all of us uh, about how you would do that. Yeah. Like, how would you go and take this thing that the monk has and make a story out of it that doesn't involve killing or fighting? Right. How do you go and you say I'm a monk, but I'm going to take a level of sorcerer? So how how do you how do you take key and make key a part of that story?
3: So. To the first question of, like, recontextualizing versus mechanical changes, uh, unfortunately, I feel this question, I reject this question respectfully to say that I feel like recontextualization and mechanization kind of go hand in hand. You can't yeah, do I one without the think, other.
1: I think there should yeah. be both, honestly. That yeah. said, yeah.
3: if I had full range and, like, you told me, see if you can only recontextualize, I can do a lot with the monk class. But, Dang, I want to answer your question more directly, which is kind of, like, Changes I would like to see that would be Mm -hmm. make the monk non combat oriented or rather move away from a focus on combat
0: or give the monk narrative utility in addition to its combat utility.
3: So I go back to like my experience with monks, (laughs) like Buddhist monks, like either Niagara Falls, where like you have the thousand Buddha like temple or like in Vietnam, where I like I saw these monks and we could not communicate whatsoever. But like there was like an understanding there and like that feeling. And all of these experiences that I have, I feel, or sorry, um, the other experience in the Niagara Falls temple with the uh, thousand Buddhas, the experience I had there was watching this monk talk to these tourists that were clearly there to like appreciate the, oriental, uh, the Orientalism of like this area and just like really try to like put Buddhism in a box that was like convenient for them, which is natural, I think. But I really admire these monks ability to speak to them, respect them, love them, and then not do what I would do as a child, which was to either get really frustrated or get very overly excited, like almost overcompensating for expressing my identity. They were just always very even and very calm as if just like riding a wave of emotions and just ended where it was gonna end. So I take those experiences I had in Niagara Falls The experience i had in vietnam where i I spoke to these monks we had these unspoken connections and i think legendary actions actually have a very interesting way of flowing into this concept because legendary actions are a resource but they can be used for a lot of different things and oftentimes they are used for um defensive things just like end in effect i always find that very very interesting but similarly, I, I do resonate with the idea that there is a pool of energy you can draw from before causing harm to yourself. I would love to see that used for other abilities. There's nothing that restricts the game from saying the the monk has flurry of blows and also a restorative thing, a way to oh, you, work you with mean someone the, and give them a the, second wind.
0: You mean second wind for the fighter? Yeah. Or, or lay on hands for the paladin?
3: Well, second wind is only personal. Yeah, but I find the idea of like giving someone their second wind, that is a very real thing that I think happens. And that could be reflected within this framework. Or you could recontextualize Flurry of Blows, which I always was not super comfortable with because Flurry of Blows is only for violence. Only ever for violence. It is you use your bonus action to make or sorry, you make an extra unarmed attack. But the idea of it is that by focus, by focusing on the things that matter the most, by sacrificing the rest, you can do more. So why not make it like expediency of like life and death? So give more actions to which you can use for whatever purpose. Violence? Sure. But it could be serving more patients in an infirmary. It could be saying more in an assembly to make sure that your voice is heard. That's how I see kind of monks evolving into a way that both makes it more interesting mechanically, I truly believe, but also better reflecting this idea that they're trying to like scratch the surface of.
0: Yeah, I think one other thing that can be really interesting about the the monks and, you know, like narrative um, and like if anybody else would, would like to go, like, please please take 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 the reins right i think one other thing that could be really neat for wizards to do would be to actually take all these traditions you know cobalt soul open hand right four elements and give them like a like a an importance in the world of dnd who is the master of the four elements right like Bachme is the master of the Immortal Lotus. What do Immortal Lotus monks do? Right, like I, That's that's where you can give them sort of realism in the narrative. How do you learn these things? Oh, I hit this level and all of a sudden I can do these things. That's one of the problems with D&D that are easily mitigated by, of course, saying like, yeah, we're only going to level up when we hit these narrative milestones. And one that I really like for the monk is, you know, it'd be really cool is if let's say all of your characters go and they train on a mountain with this monk and then at the end of that it's like everybody's going to get a level of monk
1: i uh that was a campaign idea i had that actually never really manifested but um that that, that, i like yeah that's what i would do in an adventure and i
0: I like that and you know I, i like the idea of leveling up and learning having more narrative importance, especially when it comes to something like the monk. Because learning and being a disciple and finding a master is an important part of these stories that you know we talk about, these wuxia or xianxia stories. And it's like Yagatha yeah, said, you're literally like, ah, leveling up and becoming more powerful. So why not weave that into your story? I also like the idea of, um, I think it would be really cool if somehow with chi or ki the monk could awaken temporary things in other people almost like the bard can give bardic inspiration Mm -hmm. the monk could say unlock meridians in the character to give them like advantage on a thing yeah
3: (laughs) the the idea of like a flow of energy like i will sacrifice the energy that i have so that you get another sorcery point or another spell slot or like I will take what I understand energy and life and, and chi to be, and you can have this and you can translate it to whatever your concept is. That's a fucking dope idea.
2: So
1: Super powerful. I, yeah. I like that idea a lot. And if, if the monk were to receive a revision in another edition of D and would like to see something more along those lines of including some healing, potential perhaps including the potential to give something like bardic inspiration or even something like the the fighter battle masters like uh what superiority die or whatever it is Like, like helping people um in situations like with combat that's not just like fighting um i i would like to see more of that but i do think the monk is also a victim of this you know of kind of the confusion that it's always been wrapped in ever since it it first entered the game where you know the first monks in the original version of D and D were criticized for just being OP as hell um, and since then they've been you know you're pigeonholed as like these heavy DPS like damage dealers and and I think that is what we need to move away from in future editions the most that a monk does not necessarily just have to be a pugilist type character and also if you're gonna make it a pugilist type character this is along the lines of reconceptualizing and mechanics if you're gonna make it a pugilist that is very obviously inspired by like kung fu and shaolin monks then go all the way um and don't call it key points call it chi points and offer in some other things that are not just relying upon key to do your attacks do something with other weapons other forms of martial arts so let's Um, use oh, okay. use uh, do something like stances which is what I like in Pathfinder 2nd edition. Dif- I want to see, you know, if you're going to make a, a a hokey monk that is obviously influenced off of like, you know, martial arts movies, then then how come, you know, you don't have like different stances in there? Like
0: How come you're limiting the yeah. weapons that they can use why, as well?
1: Why why are you limiting things? So the monk often suffers from being In many ways, a half measure, which is, you know, people in the chat are bringing up the uh, Order of Mercy subclass, which is a healing monk in another book that unfortunately was interpreted as like a Western plague doctor traveling around healing people. Like, I feel like that is missing the point of the monk and kind of like D&D sort of pulling away from the monk a little bit because they're like. Oh, people criticize this class or say that it's problematic. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna make the only Asian the class oh the only Asian class in the game non Still Asian cool. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think is the right way to go in my personal opinion.
0: So, if we were to say fix the monk, there are a couple of things that like obviously need to be discussed, right? The first the first thing that so if we were if you know all four of us Watsy was like okay. Steve, Jeremy, Agatha, Daniel, y'all are gonna fix the monk. We're gonna lock you in a room <laughs> for a for a week. We'll feed you. Just fix this thing, please, and we'll pay you. Like what would you do? Like in and the first that-
2: season of House of Cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never watched out. House of Cards. I forgot about that. Yeah,
3: House of Cards. What a what an interesting series. Yeah, it's uh a- Oh, yeah. On
2: and off screen. Um, yeah. I, I, well, first of all, I would say yeah. don't, don't hire me. <laughs> uh, I'm not suited for this job. i will
1: use your idea, Daniel, that you just brought up and
0: build on that. No, no, no. no I was, on
1: that. So yeah. the, the
0: awakened one. Yeah, yeah. Boom. If somebody makes that, yo, know, TM. TM. <laughs> um, TM. Uh, here's my idea. There are a couple things. First things first, from a design perspective, you need to step back and say, well, what are what are the goals with this class? Is this class going to lean heavily into the spirituality of the martial arts? Or is this class going to literally be like, uh, "Uh, is that me? Am I going to be like Assam and warrior and I'm just going to be a badass motherfucker, mm-hmm. right? Is the, am I going to be that? Or am I going to be like Tony John ja in every Tony John ja movie? I just wreck people's days, right? Or am I going to be, you know, the main characters of word of honor, uh, beautiful, um, high charisma, um, but also like very skilled at fighting, but also with these abilities. So the thing that I would say is like, do I want a, to make a class that is specifically drawing on this idea of we would rename it Chi? Is it going to be a chi-based class? If it is a chi-based class what I would do is is I would lean in very heavily into, you know, cultivation, right? And you can work that into how you rest in in D&D, right? How you rest, how you meditate, right? How you gain chi. But I would also, you know, say that as this character progresses, you get to make essentially two sort of broad choices as a cultivator of chi do you lean heavily into the hard styles of martial arts or the soft styles of martial arts and then each of these would come with their own unique abilities if i were to go with a chi-based character this would 100 percent be that that Negong Neja sort of character, right? You're using your mind, your spirit, and your chi to engage in these feats. You would be able to do things in and out of combat like qing gong, like that lightning of your body, right? Um, feather falling, being nullifying poisons within yourself, healing others. These would all be really cool things, or awakening abilities in others. If I wanted to go for, like, I'm Sam Hung and I want to be a fighter, well, that's not a monk. That's a fighter subclass called the martial artist. And I think that's what would have to be done.
1: You wouldn't because, take the oh, monk go and do, like, a two subclass division, new subclasses, where you took those two ideas and just used them as the main kind of options you you could take as you level up your character.
2: I have a question you could, about
0: but that. you still have to figure out where chi kind of fits like cuz cuz in the monk all of a sudden at level 2 you have chi.
1: Right? You have chi at level 2. What if it was just a thing you had at level 1? The
2: thing is. Yeah,
1: then then you would then I would do that.
2: Okay. I I don't actually I don't think that um, having both white Giant and Nature be like just the two branches from the monk class. I don't think that is Great, only not in, in terms of like the mechanics and design standpoint, but in terms of like the kind of stereotyping that that would perpetuate, which is that like monk as a class is supposed to be uh, a, b- basically like a soling monk, right? But mm, then, yeah. like, so then it's like, then like that is kind of accurate, right? Like, soling is very much white, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, like training your body to be m- mega strong. Um, yeah, like... yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, like the whole like cultivating thing is not within the Salwing tradition. And that, but the thing is exactly. that's what people think about when you think about the word monk and then you think Asian. <laughs> right. So I feel like it might be good to like separate those two things so that then this will actually help people to like have a better understanding of like what martial art is can be within like the Eastern tradition
0: or like the Chinese tradition. And that was my initial pitch of separating yeah. the two, right? So Having I, a martial yeah. artist. So and you remember Agatha ten minutes ago you said don't hire you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh true. Take that back. <laughs> Give me the money, JK. But um yeah.
0: I I think what could also be interesting is that um you could lean into other archetypes. You know what's really cool? And this is something that we're kind of playing around with in Dungeons & Dragons, currently on hiatus for medical reasons. Um, but with Steve's character, Steve's character is a yosha, which is like a wandering sort of vagabond. And this is also a really interesting idea because it's a, a narrative sort of archetype in wuxia, Um, but also could be a really interesting way to combine, you know, Qi cultivation with sort of the narrative tropes of the DD ranger or the rogue, oh, the oh yeah. which is what we did. It is, yeah. right, Steve? It's exactly what we did. And that's where I think you could go in having more classes that potentially use Qi in different ways or understand chi different ways whereas you would have that one class that cultivator which is what i might call it the cultivator be the master of chi
1: you know it's have interesting mastery it's interesting because that's already kind of built into D by default with the whole idea of of multi uh, multiclassing. multi-classing you have subclasses taking a level oh sorry not subclasses but you have like a fighter taking a level of monk you have a rogue doing the same thing um, within the game itself that is allowed yet I, I, feel, I feel like yeah go ahead, Steve you'll, I you'll would be able to,
3: I yeah. would comment though, that yeah. multiclassing has an implication mechanically, which is you will never achieve your capstone, which is I think the wrong message when it comes to this idea. The idea yeah. that if you don't but, specialize you become you will never master it. I think that's like interesting. But
0: I also but is, think that, is like, that
1: like a consequence of D and D just being sort of like a game with clearly defined roles, would Daniel's idea of like a cultivator being the master monk fix that, or just kind of lean more heavily into
0: that? I idea? think it's multiple changes. I don't think there's a single solution sure. in 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 a, in a tabletop role playing yeah. game where obviously one of the things you have to take into account of is that anything can happen, right? So you can make these near mechanical changes that. Go alongside these recontextualizations of how real world cultures influence game design. But at the same time, you also have to think about player behavior. And one thing that I wanted to circle back to is the idea of leveling up and multiclassing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when I'm doing DD and what I would like to try with my group, if any of you are watching this, we're going to do this, um, is if you want to level up or multiclass, you have to find a teacher. Cool. Mm. Right? And that way you can work it into the story. Cool. Yeah. That way it makes sense. That way you could do like, yeah, I'm going to help you awaken these abilities and harness what is already in you and in the broken tiles and in the broken rocks and in the depressing grass and in, you know, all of this stuff. Like,
2: <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have a suggestion. So I think it would be really cool to like, so like, it seems like, the solution that is the, like the vibe of the solution is to have like a like different aspects of what was all supposed to be the monk class, but then instead have them be different, either different classes or different sub sub, sub classes. Um, and so, like, what if the umbrella is called Cultivator, and then you can like go into different things. Like the monk is very much the Saline monk, and then one is like. I don't know. Maybe like. Well, I mean, if we really want to go to stereotypes, make
1: like, monk itself is subclass. Interesting. Monk itself yeah. is
0: so. Yeah. So I like the idea. So because I really I, I'm want just writing this data to our notes. I
2: really what I would love to see um, in this like umbrella is to have like a. Chi focused class that is all about the magical aspect of it um the same way that like there seem to be a lot of like magic classes and subclasses like um because i i'm thinking about well like if you think about avatar i guess or like just like a lot of xianxia where it's like you it's about Mm. mastering like an element and then you do like elemental attacks and things like that like i think that would be sick to be like okay like so instead of it being really restricted to this idea this cultural idea of this monk and then also this like key points but it's like instead it's like chi which can be these things and therefore is expressed mechanically in that you can be like physical fighter you can be um, some kind of like I'm not really like maybe like more support kind of person. So like what you were saying about like oh helping other people get um like uh temporarily regain other things based on you spending your own cheap points or like like magical DPS, right? I think that would be really cool.
0: Do you know what would be even neat? Would be neat to add to that. You know, one of the the cool things that I really loved about, and there were problems to it, of course. But one of the interesting things, about like previous editions of D anD D, is when you wanted to get into these prestige classes, you had to do these like very specific things, right? Mm-hmm. It's yep. like you you the funny the one that always caused a lot of hilarity at the table for for me when I was young was I'm a sorcerer and I want to be a spell sword. That one was tough because uh, for Agatha the. the, the the spell sword is basically a magic user who was trained in the in wearing armor. And because in third edition and three point five yeah. d anD D, there was this thing called arcane spell failure, and basically
1: it was a percentage. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the make? Uh, did they call it the magus? magus? The magus, magus was a, it? Was yeah. Man.
0: But like, but like, it basically, the more restrictive the armor, there was a percentage that you could fail at casting a spell. It sucks.
1: It sucks. It sucked.
0: <laughs> but it, but it also made sense because it's like I yeah. need to move my hands, and if I wear plate armor, I'm like,
3: fireball,
0: and just right. You need to be able to move. But the spellsword was trained
1: in casting spells in armor. Closest thing to it now is the bladesinger in Yeah, 5E. But in the which prerequisite, was originally like said only elves can be bladesingers, which Like the Arcane Archer. Think right? thankfully they, they retconned that and Tasha.
0: But bit. but in but in order to be a spell sword as a as a sorcerer or a wizard, I think it was as a wizard, you had to beat the best somebody in melee combat or non-magical combat. So me as a sorcerer, G- I'm like, I gotta go pick a fight with somebody that I can beat. <laughs> and then the G would always fuck with me. And it would be hilarious because I'm like, I'm gonna go like, you, you know in Kung Fu Hustle, when he goes to the town he's like, you, shorty! And his stands up a super yeah. tall. Yeah. That's that scene for me trying to become a spell sword and it never ends well. And, you know, the, the lady like, kicks my ass, right? And then I eventually become a spell sword. I like the idea of prerequisites for a lot of these, like, cultivator subclasses. It's like, yeah, if I want to be a yosha, I have to do something narratively to give myself this sense of freedom to demonstrate how I strike out against the the bureaucracy, right? Or it's like, I want to be, you know, I want to go deep into this cultivation. Narratively, I need to do that, like, you know, that, you know, that, like, uh, like uh, it's like chi gathering, like you know, you sit in nature and you absorb chi from the world. I need to find a place and I need to do this, right? I, I like these narrative prerequisites to this cultivator class because it makes you really think about the story you want to tell as your character levels up and this unfolds. Oh my god! So yes, you this are. Is so
2: hype. Like is it-
0: you're a level, you're a level one. I got that this is why for. Dungeons into Asians, revenge of the mountain orchid. I <laughs> wanted to do five e. Yeah, this is my pitch. This is my pitch to you, Agatha. Oh, we'll do. We'll so do it's... the.
1: We'll do the cultivator.
2: cultivator. A-
1: Agatha. There, 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 sort of is like a monk subclass that kind of leans into like elemental magic, <gasps> way of the four elements. It's the four elements, but uh, it's you're it's kind of the of avatar. Like avatar, so you're basically avatar. Hmm. The thing is, like, I, I really like your idea, be, Agatha, of, elements, of making like a cultivator, the main kind of class and then having various types of cultivator the monk just being one of those it's just i wonder i, I feel like dnd would never do that because they would see that as stepping on the toes of other established classes like the sorcerer or like the cleric and so i'm wondering from a design perspective how you would how you would kind of do that so um yeah go ahead steve
3: my thinking here was actually vampire the masquerade which hold, hear me out hear me out Vampire okay, Masquerade Grade okay. picked the clans based on Gothic horror themes. So every clan is actually supposed to represent a genre of horror, right? Like the Nosferatu are supposed to be like the 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 visceral, like ugly horror of. That was Nos- my favorite.
1: That was my favorite uh, clan. Ah, uh, <laughs> Peter.
3: Then you have other, then you have other other clans which All are right. more about like the animalistic side of being undead and things like that. Oh. And everyone struggles with their humanity yeah. within the horror trope for monks based on a conversation. I think there's a an opportunity to actually have a game that focuses on your tradition
2: yeah. of
3: being a monk, how you perceive manipulation of the world around you, whether it be internally, externally, yeah. positively, negatively, all these kind of things. And then you have the tension of being, well, a person who has to live in the world. So I like the idea that the, from a meta sense that the ideas of monks represent the different ways of actually perceiving and like the philosophies around Chi. And I think that's like a compelling thing to dive into. Uh, I need way more time to make that into a game if it was going to happen. But I I see these
2: threads of connection and whatnot.
1: I feel like it's it's becomes another game by itself. Like, it, it, it kind of stops being D&D and just, like, make the Monk game.
2: Like, I, I mean, mean, if they remade Karatour, that this is what would be written into it.
1: This is what would be written, and this
0: is what we would... This is the kind of conversation that would have to happen yeah. when remaking something like
2: Carateur. I I think this is a... Jeremy, that's a really good point, because that is one thing that I... Uh, that is a blind spot for me in terms of like what kind of classes are there already, and then also what kind of niches yeah. they fill. Because when I read um, only cur- c- cursorily um, the the different classes, the subclasses, and then like also like the different level up paths that you can do, it does seem like there is already a lot of overlap. I don't know if that's actually true, but it just feels like, for example, like with the warrior, like the, the psionic warrior yeah. which i think is really cool that is my favorite thing out of it um yeah. uh, but i i'm like but that is like magic right so like what's the difference between yeah. that and like for example like what you said about sw- 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 the swords? yeah spell? Uh, the S- uh, spell uh, the sword. spell sword, spell sword. Spell sword. Yeah. like what's the difference like
1: mechanically not in terms of narratively you got oh, you got psionic the, this, this points <laughs> got so s- like The got, psionic you points you're like, crystals. yeah you're like a mutant <laughs> and you got psionic points right but they had, their like, own, they had yeah but
2: that's narrative right that's not
1: no you it, have it, no, you it's, have, mechanical. it's yeah, mechanical it's mechanical you it's
0: mechanical. psionic points like key points and stuff like you've that. got sci- psionic points you got key points and they're all different
2: right and it's like Okay, right, right, right. Okay, so the the points are the difference between a spell sword and say like the psionic warrior. But then, what's the difference between a psionic warrior um, and some and a monk that has key points? I guess it's in the application.
0: What they could it's what they can what they, do with yeah. the points. That's yeah. literally it. And that's it's, that. That was that was my pitch. That chi is everything. Chi is the. The 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 essence that the the cultivator monk uses to do these great feats. Chi is the power that is innate to the sorcerer, that manifested the sorcerer's natural magical abilities. Chi is the thing that connects. Remember that like that really that poem about suffering, that analogy about suffering, that connects the cleric or the paladin to their deity, that enables that connection. They might call it faith but that is true.
2: Well, what I think I'm still thinking about this in terms of the mechanics, right? Cuz I think Jeremy, that's what you were touching on, which is
1: Yeah, and I think I think basically like classes like the the psionic fighter or whatever, they're 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 the, like subclasses exist for that reason so that you can be a clearly defined like fighter or a cleric. These are clearly defined core roles like the cleric is healer, the fighter is the expert at weapons the rogue is the sneaky one the monk is defined as that unarmed like, badass like based in that shaolin tradition right and the subclasses are meant to like kind of allow you to i don't know like go out of those lines a little bit and that's basically what i think like another edition of DD would do i don't i, I just can't see them making a cultivator class even though how that would be awesome i see them keeping with that hardcore shaolin monk you know trope but then adding in like a base healing monk subclass within the core rule book in order to give people who want to not only focus their key points into battle something to do. Like, and so I, I like, I guess from a narrative, like a design perspective, I, I just don't see them budging from the, that core idea of like the monk is like Flurry of blows. I'm going to use unarmed attacks on you. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I think that is a very good point in terms of like the actual, cause like we were talking about like dream design, like, and so therefore like dream design, just make cultivator yeah. as like the main class, so like it'll be the yeah. new archetype, and then under that will fall is monk. everything
1: else. But, yeah, and I think that steps on the toes of the other core classes, which is why I like to me that's a whole. But that's game. why this is a different game. That's yeah, why you said actually, it's a different game. game. And that's
2: the thing is like I don't actually think that it does step on the toes of the other things, right? Because it's still like it has the mook. and yeah. then like for example, if you were doing like. If you were doing like the more mm, elemental aspect, mm-hmm. then and you use like key or chi points, wh- however, I want you to define it in there. Like, I think there's a lot of potential for like designing new ways of doing it. Like, or maybe if you don't do the elemental stuff, you do one that's more like fangshu. So, like, um, like the Taoist kind of thing. So, it's very much like, like
0: occultism, it's
2: very much about, um, uh, like there's like a word for it where you do uh like it's control focused right so it's much more about like managing the environment and then like this like wide area like you know like i feel like yeah yeah i feel like
1: yeah i i I can i i i I get you there yeah i think i think 5e in particular this edition is very careful about the classes that they introduce into the game and so that's why i can't see it for 5e i can see it for 3.5 because 3.5 had all types of classes like like kinetic which just like uses fire magic and stuff like that i have trouble seeing it for 5e mainly because there's this what was the wizards of the coast belief that keep everything like streamlined and simple Mm -hmm. but I, i definitely think you have a point there agatha and i i like the idea of the cultivator being like a whole new class but i think it would require some very careful writing and design to uh, keep it from
0: stepping so basically yeah. what you're saying is that if you were to make a cultivator and you would give all these subclasses these abilities people would basically be like yeah but the rogue can already do Th- that's that that's what people would but say the fighter could already eight. do that yeah that's what people would say with, with five, five, and that eight. and i think that's the, the point jeremy's making agatha
2: yeah
0: is that yeah. it would always draw comparison but the thing is that's if we look all around us in the world, there will always be things to compare,
2: which is, but so we, I think really are, are, what underlies saying it, that
1: 3.5 was better with all of its classes. I, Yo, I, I so fucking spicy. love 3.5. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Are we just say, are we getting into addition wars here? No. Yeah, no, no, oh, no,
0: no, addition wars is a, is another series that we're going to be doing. Are, yeah.
2: <laughs> are <laughs> <laughs> we going to <laughs> Can you know how you words. know how one shot,
0: you, know, you you know how you know how one shot network has system mastery? We're gonna do system wars, and it's gonna be a battle royale. We're gonna have a bracket of all the different systems. No, we're not gonna do that. A hundred percent, we're not gonna do that. Although I think that's a kind of a kind of a cool. It idea. is a cool idea. But no, we're not gonna. Do- but
2: it's not the vibe of our no, no. channel. <laughs>
0: no, it's not the vibe. It's not our brand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start my. I'm gonna branch off, start my own channel.
2: Yeah, like so, uh, make a really aggressive username. And always it's like, hey, thing. hey, man, I'm here to talk my, about... It's
0: my gamertag. It's my gamertag. Rice-powered. That's the my gamertag. interesting gamer tag. thing
1: about Edition Wars <laughs> is that in 4e, monks were not a core class. They were introduced much later.
2: So maybe and... for 6th edition. Like, things yeah, change so drastically edition. between yeah. editions. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I, like, look, wizards, I know we're critical of D&D, but we're critical of D&D because we care right? That that's, that's really the the core of it. Yeah. You know, like, I think the big thing about Asians represent is that we're not just here to complain. We're here to offer actionable advice on what to do. And that's always been what Asians represent is all about. Now that said, we could, we could talk about this for a very long time. And we should certainly revisit this in a future episode. And I think we have a lot of people to thank for our ability to do that, and that's our wonderful patrons. Um, shout out to our amazing patrons yes! for you know helping us bring Asians represent back. I am so proud of the fact that you know Asians represent is back, and that we are so close to hitting our goal of Bubble Tea Book Club. Bubble Tea Book Club is going to be the, our first Patreon sort of stretch goal, and the concept is simple. We're going to buy our guests some bubble tea we're going to also buy an indie rpg by an indie asian creator and we're going to talk about all the things we love about it live and we need 50 patrons if you're a two dollar patron or if you're an amazing most honorable patron (laughs) we just need 50. we just need 50 um to make bubble tea book club a reality but that said you know asians represent is back And we're back with like a vengeance. I'm so proud of what we've done so far. And I can't wait for us to do a follow-up conversation about it. I can't wait for us to get into like a crazy, or I guess I should say a, a, a really wild discord chat where we try to make the cultivator. Oh, my Zoom. I just like. Wow. Vanished by by chi is used, so strong. Yeah, your key points. Um, you. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there. This is technical difficulties. There we go. Oh, I I harnessed my oh. my key to become invisible. Um, Too powerful. Uh, for if if you folks are listening on the audio, something is going on with uh, the webcam. Uh, that, that said, you know we are going to um, we're going to definitely cover this again. But there's so much to talk about on Asians Represent. And it's all possible because of our patrons. So, you know, shout out to our Disciples of the Sky Court, our amazing $5 patrons, our Guardians of the Realm, Brooke, Jeremy, Jeremy. and Daisy. Hi. Thank you so much. And I get to say this every other week, and I'm so happy because I know it's going to make Liana very upset when, when they watch this. Our most honorable patrons, the most honorable Ryan the Wizard Hull, the Most Honorable Metal Weave Games, the Most Honorable Valorous Games, and Matt, aka The Most Honorable Dungeon Glitch. That actually sounds really funny. Um, Thank you so much for your support. I'm so grateful that you folks have been able to, you know, help us out with all things Asians represent. Marla here thanks you so much because every stream... We bring on Marla, and here's Marla. Marla, say hi to everyone. Oh no,
1: Marla, are you going to say something? Marla's like in the shadow realm.
2: Ghost Marla.
0: Uh,
1: Marla is like a shadow okay. cat.
0: Don't pee on me, okay? Bye, Marla.
1: A I'm going to fix the webcam. A displacer <laughs> beast. There we go. Okay, and all right. There's Marla. Marla has the most key out of all. Marla,
0: these. are you going to say something to the audience about how much you love Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> no. Okay. Bye, Marla. Um, Marla. that said I want to thank all of y'all for for tuning in to this episode of Asians Represent make sure that you, know, you check out all of Jeremy's work click on all of Jeremy's links
1: thank you, yes give me the clicks
0: <laughs> click on all of Jeremy's links and read everything that Jeremy writes because Jeremy has a lot of good to say and Jeremy you have definitely contributed to the world of D&D in such a positive way and I'm so happy that we met and I'm like you know it's it's wild that we met because of oriental adventures
1: some good comes out of everything some good comes out of everything and <laughs> yeah. i'm so
0: happy that that happened um that said you know i'm daniel i'm agatha <laughs> i'm steve there we go and you've just listened to <laughs>
2: <Ages> Represent. Represent. <laughs> oh. yeah,
0: we did it oh no we did it